Okay, so anyone who knows me, and honestly, at this point, anyone who listens to the podcast, because I guess we've just (laughs) gotten real close around here, knows that I do not wear bras. And like, that's not some sort of an over-exaggeration. You can ask any of my friends. I truly do not ever wear bras. However, there have recently been some circumstances where like, I just have to. I've been saying yes to more things. I feel like we've been going to more events and there are just some outfits. I got to do it. And when I tell you I have finally found a bra that makes wearing one bearable. Like I'm never going to be an everyday bra wearer. It's not in the cars for me. But when I have to, the only bras I can wear are skims, which I'll get into the specific ones in a second, but we all know this comes as no surprise. Like I have been an OG diehard skims fan since day one. I am a fan of every single product they make. You know the way I feel about the underwear, the clothes, all of it. But now adding bras to the mix, specifically the Fits Everybody t-shirt bra, because You guys know the way I feel about the Fits Everybody collection. I could talk about that for forever, but specifically the t-shirt bra, it's just so comfortable. I don't know, the straps don't dig into you. It's probably the only bra I've ever worn where when I get home, I'm not like dying to take it off, which I cannot express how massive of a feat that is for someone like me. It's just comfortable and it just does what it needs to do. And I am such a fan, which like no surprise, I love everything Skims makes, but here to confirm the bras are as good as you would think that they are. Shop Skims Bras at skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A through 46H. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select podcast in the survey and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. As if this episode wasn't enough of a whirlwind, right after we finish recording is when this Kim-Kanye Instagram interaction happens. I mean, (laughs) Julie is literally doing the edits to send to our producer as I record this right now. I'm sure you all saw it on our grid, but I have to read it anyway. So Kanye posts a photo of what appears to be three different pins that were on North's backpack and writes, this was on my daughter's backpack when I was, quote, allowed to see her last week. This is why I go so hard for my family. I'm wired to protect my family at all costs. As the priest of my home, don't worry, Northy, God is still alive. And Kim Kardashian out of motherfucking left field comments, please stop with this narrative. You were just here this morning picking up the kids for school. So I just want to say this happened after we finished recording. So it's not in this episode you're about to hear. But I mean, we were just as shocked as the rest of you that one, Kim said anything. And I think we were so happy she did. But second of all, that it happened in the form of a comment, like never in our wildest dreams did we think that she would engage with Kanye on Instagram in this way. So (laughs) just to come on here and say that, and it's not discussed on this episode, but obviously we'll discuss it later this week. Hi guys, I'm Emma. And I'm Julie. And welcome back to another episode. Hey, Jewel. I am. Julie, what an absolutely wild 72 hours it's been. What an absolutely wild podcast episode we're about to have ourselves. <laughs> we sat there on Friday and we said in the episode, quite literally, we're going to wait to discuss the variety piece until Monday because it's already Friday, not that much has come out. And we feel like if we discuss it now, we'll really be screwing ourselves content wise and won't have anything to talk about on Monday. And then Kanye, Pete, and Kim were just like, hold my fucking beer. I'm sorry. And then the fucking trailer drops this morning. (laughs) I wish you guys could have been in the room. We sit down. We're about to start recording, literally about to, and the trailer drops. So to be able to record a podcast less than 30 minutes after watching that trailer is such a gift. Can we just get into it? Because I have to analyze every single second of it. Yes. Yes. Okay. Let's start with the trailer. Do you feel good about that? So good. 
Okay. I mean, the first thing that I think I want to say on a more general note is I really am picking up on the stylistic differences that we had hypothesized about. And we weren't sure exactly what it was going to be. We knew this was going to be slightly more documentary style. But even if you saw in that one confessional where Kim's in that pink or when she's in that black look and she's texting Pete, you can just tell that the style is so different and really so much more elevated. Elevated. That's exactly what I was going to say. And I had my concerns in terms of like, you know, obviously the old show had these gimmicky plot lines that I think everybody was over and they've alluded to that in the Variety article for sure. But in terms of the actual filming and their day-to-day and the confessionals, I was like, how do you make this so vastly different that you can tell that there's a reason for them to be going to a streaming site? And after watching the trailer, I have to say, I really felt that way. I watched it and I was like, this is a much more elevated on-brand streaming type show and I so get the move here. Well, to that point exactly, I want to jump back to the Variety article for a second because there's a portion where they're talking about the old show. And it says, Kim admits she's learned to be more private with some aspects of her life, especially after 2016 when she was famously robbed in a Paris hotel room and held at gunpoint. As a result, Keeping Up with the Kardashians experienced a lull in its later seasons. The sisters seemed more guarded and less invested, and the series became a show about Scott Disick, Courtney's ex-partner, and Chloe pulling pranks on Jenner. And... That's true. I mean, in the later seasons, we did feel that there was sometimes a lack of substance. And one, I'm glad that they acknowledged it. But second of all, what we see in that trailer is very substantial. Yeah, I'm glad they said that too. And Chloe, I think, is the one that said it honestly just didn't make sense for us to be on cable anymore. It only made sense for us to be on streaming. And I think that helped with the overall vibe of what they were trying to accomplish in terms of this show, where the rest of the family, I would say Kylie specifically, is going to be more willing to do a show and share more on a show that seems on brand for them. Whereas I think the E! show began to feel a little infantilizing for them. And it was really on Kim and Chloe to keep it up despite the fact that they didn't feel 100% right being there. And so I think that aside from just moving to a different platform, you can just see this entire energy shift of the whole family that feels like this was really the right move for them. And it's a project that they're all kind of doing together rather than a project that Kim, Chloe, and Courtney started when they were young and then the others kind of got forced into. It seems like this is definitely a new era of what we're going to see of them. Yes. It was like there's a palpable seamlessness that I felt even in those two minutes. And it makes sense. Clearly, they're naturally going to be more excited and more enthusiastic to share the things that they're passionate about. Whereas, I guess, one, they didn't have the time on the e-show to be able to show all of their individual projects in that same way. But I think I see it the most honestly with Kylie and Kendall. Exactly like you said, Kendall wants to talk about 818. You know, Kylie this time around was so much more willing to share her pregnancy journey. So there's no reason she wouldn't do that on the show. And then Courtney, as we know, was miserable towards the later seasons. To be able to share her romance with Travis to the entire world, which is something that she already shares so much of and is clearly so excited about showing, to her, it probably feels like a gift and not even like work. I think the biggest change you'll see on this show, aside from everything we just talked about stylistically, just in terms of the family members themselves, is you'll see more of Kylie for sure. But I think the biggest thing you're going to notice is 
Courtney's overall temperament to being on the show. And I think in the final seasons, she was just miserable to be there. And she also hated her plot points. And I think she wasn't happy in her own life. And that was a reflection of what we were seeing. I think she is in the best place she has ever been. And she's so excited to share the things that she's going through. And we're going to see that reflected in a way that we haven't before. We're going to watch the show, I think. And I think that we'll be happy that Kylie's there and get the insight. I don't think it'll change the way we feel about her. I think with Courtney, we're going to be like, seeing you in this way is a game changer. Julia, I felt that way just in this two-minute trailer. And honestly, putting myself in Courtney's shoes for a second, yeah, as the viewer, we loved watching any conversation between her and Scott. But if I'm her, that's probably very frustrating that every scene that's between me and the father of my children is part of this larger discussion about where we stand and if his behavior is up to my standards. And like, she just kind of cemented herself in this role of kind of the fun killer, which really sucks. And now it's like, holy shit, the the point of her life, the romance that she's going to be highlighting is nothing but fun and exciting. And I cannot fucking believe we are going to get the proposal. I mean, all of these things that we've flipped out over when watching them happen on Instagram, to get the behind the scenes of that, to get the dinner, for example, in Santa Barbara when her and Travis walk off the beach and everybody's sitting there. I mean, (laughs) this is like the shit we dream of. And to the point that you were making before... I was really happy to see Scott, obviously, in the trailer. Like, what a goddamn relief to see him. And not that I was actually nervous, but I I did let a piece of me have that kind of, is he going to be in it? They didn't mention him in the Variety article. Like, I was a little nervous. But I was really excited to see that in the trailer, his scenes were all just him hanging out or him being with Kim or him being with Chloe and Chris. Like, the place he's most happy rather than these intense scenes where him and Courtney are having discussions about their co-parenting and their relationship. And of course, I hope we still get that. That's the insight we die for. But just to be able to know that Scott's in the show in the capacity that he's always been is such a relief. Yes, because by the way, the same could be said for him in terms of what I was just saying about Courtney. Yeah, he did have more lighthearted scenes, which were the ones with Chloe when they're pulling pranks on Chris and things like that. But anything that was actually happening about his life was always in the context of Courtney. And how liberating for both of them that they're going to be able to be on the show in a completely new light where maybe how they exist in one another's world isn't at the forefront of it. Selfishly, I want that, of course. I want to see exactly where Scott's head's at, and I do think that we will get it to some extent. But I also think like it's not the craziest thing that we could see him doing talentless or just living his life, whatever way that may be. I mean, let's talk about the scenes that we know we're confirmed getting, starting with Courtney saying that her and Travis are trying for a baby. To hear it out of their mouths directly was the best thing ever because we've spoken about it, don't get me wrong, when there have been reports, we've kind of spoken about it lightly, but I think you and I both felt a little bit awkward to really dive into it without either of them confirming it. So to see them in that fertility center and to know for a fact that they are trying, I feel like it almost gives you permission as the commentator to talk about a world in which they have a kid because God willing, that's going to happen. True. Everybody who's listening to this, okay? Five years ago, when we were in the thick of wanting Courtney and Scott back together, imagine if I said to you, she is going to be madly in love with Travis Barker and they're going to have a child together. You would tell me I was fucking crazy. I mean, this is so wild and so amazing. I would tell you you were crazy at that time, but the part of it that I wouldn't think was crazy was her having a baby because she has said for so long that she wanted to have another one. And 
you know, obviously we watched her toy with the idea of her and Scott having another kid together, even if they weren't together. And I think that something just didn't seem right about that for them. So to not only watch Courtney find this love in her life, but find a way, hopefully, to have a baby in a way that makes sense and feels right to her and is on her own terms and the way she really wanted this to happen or didn't even know how she wanted it to happen is, I mean, I'm so excited for, I'm so excited for her plot points. And I, five years ago, I don't think I ever would have said that either. No, we definitely wouldn't have. And also, obviously I want to talk about Kim and Pete more than literally anything, but just to move to the Chloe and Tristan conversation for a second, in the Variety piece that was released last week, she said, quote, I wish I never had to talk about that because it's not a fun thing to talk about, but it's a part of my journey in life. So we'll see it on the show. And just for timeline's sake, his son that he had with Marilyn Nichols was born on December 2nd. So all that stuff was going down, let's say November, December, and he issued his public apology to Chloe in January. So what I'm so curious about is that one scene we see of them talking, right? Where they're on the couch. I want to know when that was filmed in comparison to when all this stuff went down and then how much of that we're going to get. Like, Those are the questions timeline-wise that I don't feel completely knowledgeable on, but I'm so curious about. Yeah, I'm so curious timeline-wise because even her saying Tristan and I are complicated right now. We know that Kim SNL, for example, which is going to be one of the major plot points of the show and probably when they first started filming around then was the beginning of October. So there's really only a two-month gap in between when Chloe probably said that things were, quote, complicated with her and Tristan and when the news of him having another child came out. And also, if you remember, it was around August of 2021 where the reports circulated that they had completely broken up. So the Chloe Tristan timeline show aside has always been incredibly, incredibly confusing. So hopefully we get those questions answered. And on top of that, the newest report that came out from Marilee Nichols' court statements is that Tristan had said to her that he and Chloe were engaged at the time. So... I mean, I don't know how true that is based on that Tristan and I are complicated right now, but if that is true, that is a whole other layer to this. And just one other piece of information to kind of complicate this whole thing even more, and I know it's far less important in the scheme of things, is that just last week, it was Malika and Khadija's birthday, and Tristan sent them both flowers, which they both posted on their stories. I know it seems really trivial in the scheme of things, but our DMs at least were flooded with people being like, what does this mean for Chloe and Tristan? Because Malika and Khadija are Chloe's ride or dies. So let's say her and Tristan were on terrible terms right now, not speaking at all. I still think Tristan would probably send the flowers because he's such a fucking kiss ass, but they wouldn't have posted it. So I know it's a small detail, but Chloe's best friends in the entire world, basically her sister's posting even remotely positively about Tristan tells me that him and Chloe are at least civil right now. I think back to that episode where Malika, Khadija, and Chloe are all at, I think it was Mohegan Sun, and Malika and Khadija had an appearance, and Chloe went with them. And it was right after Tristan had cheated, and they were kind of edging Chloe on to forgive him almost. Like he had given them jewelry for Chloe to give to her, and I believe it was for her birthday. And they were very team, like not necessarily get back together with him, but try and move on and accept it and see the good in him, which I always thought was very interesting. So to me, I don't know if these flowers necessarily mean anything other than the fact that they haven't quite moved on from that position. 
I don't know. So much more has gone down. And we know their loyalty is to Chloe through and through. And everything that goes on here is calculated. There's no world in which that story would have gone up without confirming it was okay with Chloe or just in general. To me, it's more telling. Again, I'm not saying Chloe and Tristan are back together. I pray to God that's not the case. But I do think that they're civil. And I hate to say this because it's such a shitty reality. I think there's a part of Chloe that's completely desensitized to this. Not to say that I don't think she understands that she deserves better. I do think, and I hope that she's gotten to the point where she knows that that's the case, but I don't think she'll ever be rocked in the way that she was rocked the first or second time. You know, finding out that a guy she's working on a relationship with just got another woman pregnant and she just had the kid and Snapchat messages are released where he's offering her 75 grand to never say a word about it. Yeah, that's terrible. Nobody should ever have to go through that. But there is a part of me that feels Chloe is slightly numb to it. And I just wonder like, what's the numbness to civility pipeline? <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Is there a world in which, because she's kind of so used to this behavior, it gets less of a rise out of her and she's more willing to kind of just keep things status quo? I don't know. I have so many different thoughts about what I think is going on, but that clip in the trailer really fucked me up. No, it fucked me up too. And Chloe was the one in the trailer that says that line, we need to stop making excuses for the people in our lives that traumatize us. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, one more time for the people in the back. That's that's what they do. I mean, I, I listen, I'm not saying that this family doesn't dead people when they do them wrong. However, there are many people that have wronged them and they have continually given chances to. And a lot of it stems honestly from men in their lives. Listen, if there is one line in this trailer that we need to take away from us, it's never go against the family. Chills down my entire spine when Chris said that. Chills. By the way, please, I'm begging you, can we talk about Kim and Pete? I feel like we've waited long enough. We have. We haven't even talked about it together. We, the trailer came out and we freaked out for like five minutes and then we sat down and we're like, okay, let's start recording. Yes, I want to more than anything. Okay, the moment that I want to start with, because by the way, how crazy that this is happening in the midst of the P Kanye war that's ensuing on Instagram, which we obviously will get into, but it's a lot for two girls to process. I mean, talk about an emotional whirlwind, no? Well, it was a lot for me to process when during the Variety article, she said, Pete won't be filming. It's not really his thing, but you'll get all of your questions answered, how it met, how it happened, who texted who first. That was a lot for me to answer. So to see the trailer where she's sitting there smiling and texting and the producer says, are you texting someone whose name rhymes with feet or whatever it is? And she's laughing like, I'm sorry, that almost sent me into goddamn overdrive overdrive. But wait, I want to read that exact paragraph from the Variety article that you were just referencing. So we have that to kind of set the scene before we continue to discuss this. Okay. These days, photographers can't get enough shots of Kim with new boyfriend Davidson. Quote, I have not filmed with him, Kim says when asked whether he'll appear on the Hulu show. Quote, and I'm not opposed to it. It's just not what he does. She says, speaking about Davidson for the first time publicly. But if there was an event happening and he was there, he wouldn't tell the cameras to get away. I think I might film something really exciting coming, but it wouldn't be for this season. Kim says that when the new show premieres, viewers will see, quote, how we met and who reached out to who and how it happened and all the details that everyone wants to know. She continues, quote, I'm definitely open to talking and I definitely explain it. No. So we have that almost as the foreplay to then seeing her in that all velvet look in her confessional when exactly like you said, she's laughing, smiling like a little schoolgirl, and they're having to use code names to ask if she's texting Pete. Like, 
That's Kim Kardashian. By the way, that is Kim Kardashian getting giddy over texting Pete Davidson, the guy that two months before filming that she had just kissed in an Aladdin and Jasmine skit on SNL. Like, are you guys processing what's happening right now? This is wild. Describing Kim as giddy like does something to me because I see her in so many different ways. So many. Giddy is not typically one of them. Giddy is like such a universal emotion. And when I think of Kim, there are so rarely things that I find to be universal about her. Like watching her text a boy and being excited about it, regardless of the fact that it's Pete Davidson, just watching her text a boy and have that smile on her face is one of the most humanizing things I've ever seen her do. You know, it's really interesting though, because I obviously feel the exact same way, but I almost feel like it's a little bit related to the conversation we frequently have about how they're naturally slightly jaded to the extravagance of their lives and how we find that there are very few things that they get excited over. So for example, when they walked into that Lake Tahoe home for their final vacation, even they were blown away at how beautiful that home was. And I know that's so, so different than the excitement of texting a boy, but in my mind, they kind of all morph under one category of like, what even excites them anymore? You know, like they've done all of the coolest things. They've had all of the coolest experience. And then the answer to that question is Pete Davidson. Of course, a different kind of excitement, but you're right. Something so simple, something so juvenile almost is giving that reaction from Kim. It's like, Julie, like, we're going to flip out when April 14th comes. We are going to flip out. We're having a party. I just looked it up and April 14th is a Thursday. So even if we don't get the screeners, we still can release the episode on Friday. No problem. We'll watch it the second it comes out and then record right after. And that's going to be one of the highlights of my <laughs> of my life as of recently. <laughs> the energy going into that episode is going to be crazier than the energy going into this one. And I already thought this was through the roof. It's going to be Jordan Gate energy, but different. Jordan Gate energy, but positive. The other thing that I want to mention is obviously we know that they filmed SNL and we don't know in what capacity, but in general, there were cameras surrounding the whole SNL experience. And my dream, which I do not think is going to happen in the slightest, but I just have to say it out loud to you, is a film crew being in the green room with, let's say, Steph and Tracy. And Kim gets off stage from practicing with Pete, hypothetically. And you see her be like, guys, I don't know. I felt like there was chemistry. Like, I don't know. Maybe he's just really good at this, but I felt like there was chemistry. And they're like, you think? And she's like, yeah, is that the weirdest thing ever? Like, just imagine that. The way that I pictured it as you were talking was a very similar circumstance she comes into that dressing room after the skit is done and looks at them and goes, okay, I get it now. That's all I was picturing. She's like, I get what Ariana saw. Yeah, like I, I get why this is a thing. And then it's just no history was made. <laughs> history was made. This is the craziest thing ever. That trailer lived up to the hype. And by the way, I think that the drone edition was great. The one thing we didn't touch upon yet, which will unfortunately actually be an excellent transition into the next section is the slight Kanye mention that we got where Kim says, Kanye said to me, my career is over, which is very reminiscent, in my opinion, of Chris Humphrey saying to her, in 10 years, no one's going to know who you are. And it's funny because we were just talking about that scene between her and Chris Humphrey's last episode. But to kind of segue into the Kanye conversation, I want to read two paragraphs from the Variety article. So it's talking about Kanye and it says, before things turned acrimonious, West filmed scenes for the Hulu series and he figured into a major arc in the first episode, quote, 
Being in the public eye and having disagreements publicly is never easy, Kim says, but I do believe in handling it all privately. I believe in championing publicly and criticizing privately. I don't think I would ever criticize the father of my children on my TV show. That's just not really what I'm about, and I don't think that would ever make me feel good. I'm always really respectful of what the kids will see. The reality is we're always a family. We always will have a love and respect for each other. And even if there's moments where it might not seem like it, there's so many moments that are super positive. I do think it's important for people to see the things that aren't perfect all the time, but that they can get better. Which, I mean, this is in direct contrast to him publicly dragging her, no, not on a TV show, but on his own version of a TV show, which is Instagram. I've seen people actually pulling quotes from the Variety article where Kim talks about Kanye being in the first episode and being an arc in the first episode. And people being like, of course, Kim is using Kanye in that way. And it's like, Kanye was the one that made this public. Kanye is the one that's continuing to make this public. And we can see that clear as day as recently as yesterday with his posting. So, I mean, personally, I don't think there's anything even remotely wrong with the show using scenes that Kanye willingly filmed. Oh, I don't think so either. That wasn't even a question, but hold on. (laughs) There's so much here. Before we get into the Kanye back and forth, I really think we need to take a moment to discuss Kim publicly Instagramming Pete for the first time ever on Friday. So want to put an ad break, gather ourselves and come back with that? Absolutely, I do. So I know we're all kind of operating at a different skill level when it comes to makeup. Like I have some friends who they do their makeup and it looks like they got it professionally done. I have others who know nothing about any products. And then I would say I'm somewhere in the middle, like by no means am I very skilled, but I think I can hold my own. And in terms of my everyday, I'm just doing mascara, lip gloss, and maybe a little bit of highlighter on my inner corner. So if I'm only using a few products, I need them to be excellent. And I've recently been very into the Thrive Cosmetics mascara, which I'll tell you about in a second, but just in general, a note on the company. For every product purchase, Thrive Cosmetics donates products and funds to help communities thrive, which I just love knowing that I'm buying from a company that does that. And in terms of their mascara, so it's the Liquid Lash Extensions Mascara. You guys have seen that. It's the viral turquoise tube. I've saw it all over social media before I ever started using it. And it's a unique formula that creates tubes around each eyelash to lengthen them. It's also super easy to remove. So it slides right off with warm water. It doesn't leave smudges. And the ingredients are really nourishing. So they support longer, stronger, and healthier looking lashes over time. It really just gets the job done. Like you will see what I mean when you try it. Refresh your everyday look with Thrive Cosmetics, luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 10% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com slash CBC. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash CBC for 10% off your first order. Okay, so I want to talk cookware for a second because I haven't told you guys about this company and I recently tried their products and I fully understand the hype now. So they're called Great Jones and they make really high quality, thoughtfully designed cookware that also happens to be beautiful. Like I know it's kind of a weird way to describe cookware, but you'll see what I mean when you go on the website. In terms of colors, they have your classic black and white, but they also have pinks, greens, yellows, blues, just like really vibrant, fun colors. And everything is non-toxic. So they have, you know, Dutch oven, ceramic dishes, non-stick sheet pans. Everything is non-toxic to me. That's huge. And we all know, like, I'm not the biggest cook, but I have my staples. And I got originally from them, the Fry family, which is the eight and 10 inch ceramic non-stick pans. And they're just great. I got them in the white because that matches the best with my kitchen. I love cooking on them. And I also, I know, again, it sounds kind of weird, but I love the way they look in my kitchen. And the thing is, once you get these, you're going to want to get them for your friends. So they make incredible gifts for weddings, housewarming parties, birthdays, whatever occasion you need. It's a great gift. 
Upgrade your kitchen and replace those old rusted hand-me-downs with bold, beautiful, long-lasting pieces from Great Jones. Get started today at greatjones.com and get an extra 15% off your first order with promo code CBC. That's greatjones.com promo code CBC. So we're all just going about our days on Friday and minding our own business. And around 3 p.m. Eastern time, Kim hits us with the photo we have been waiting for. It's a five slide post. Slides two and four feature her and Pete, one of him smoking what appears to be a joint laying down on her. And the second is selfie. The caption is, whose car are we going to take? Which is a quote from the movie, The Town with Ben Affleck and Jeremy Renner. Slide five was that exact moment from the movie. And keep in mind, this photo was taken on Valentine's Day when they went to Lilia in Brooklyn, wearing the silver coat that Kanye bought her. And I would like to start out by saying that for the last two months, when we have been going back and forth on what we thought the photo would be that she would use for the reveal, it was never this. I I kind of was getting on board with the soft launch theory. I didn't think it was the craziest thing that she would intentionally leave in a reflection. I liked your idea about a mirror selfie at the Beverly Hills Hotel. I did not think it was going to be this, but God, am I so happy it happened. Am I right in saying that if we were told the type of picture it was going to be beforehand, that we both would have said, she's not going to do it as the first slide or a solo, it'll be hidden in kind of a roundup? Yes, And also let's talk about that caption or the quote from the movie. That's like a real, this is a ride or die situation type of thing. Yes, that was very intentional. And also I know this is not the point and this is more of a personal note, but I'm already scrolling through fucking losing it. Like there's Pete Davidson with a joint laying on Kim Kardashian on Valentine's day. And then the last slide is Ben Affleck. These are like the culmination of all of my fantasies. That shit was personal. That shit was personal. (laughs) By the way, if you're thrown off by Ben Affleck being the last slide of Kim's post, imagine how thrown off I am by the post being about Pete. No, forget it. And I'm going to hold my tongue because I know we're going to discuss this in three minutes, but I just have to quickly say it. Then on top of all of this, in the midst of the Kanye Pete brawl, we see that he may have a Kim tattoo on his chest. Like, again, I say a lot for two girls to try to process. A lot for the world to try and process. I mean, how do they expect us? They really threw so much at us at once. It was a lot of emotions over the past 72 hours, I would say. I would too. And also just to acknowledge the elephant in the room, on Wednesday is when the Variety article comes out, which we will talk about. And the backlash against Kim's comments around people not working really ramps up. And then on Friday, she posts this. And I would say eight out of 10 times when the Kardashians do something like this and people immediately think it's a PR strategy. I'm a little bit more conservative in my belief on that. This is a time where, in my belief, 100 million percent, this was Kim's way of shifting the conversation. And you know what? It worked. I mean, I can't blame her for doing that. And I also think that a lot of the time, the reason that we personally don't buy into what a lot of people say is a PR move or a distraction is because the theories are so far out there or they're like so minor that it wouldn't move the needle at all. Like a lot of the time, people just throw shit out and sees what sticks and Twitter gets on board and it creates a life of its own. This is one of those things where it was so blatantly obvious what was happening that you just couldn't really blame her for it. Like, yeah, you got a little bit of bad PR and you post a picture of you and Pete. It was so simple and yet effective, if I'm being honest. Oh, it was very effective. I mean, come on. Not that the people that were upset about those comments aren't still upset. I'm sure that they are. But... If you're at all interested by this family, you're interested in this. I mean, this was the post that you were waiting for. So 
she almost did it in a way that was so obvious that you can't even really criticize it because there's no speculation here. Again, you don't have to think that it was a smart move. You don't even have to agree with the fact that she did it. You can still be angry about what was said and not want to move on from it. It just seemed relatively like a harmless way of trying to move the needle. The other thing that I wonder, just in terms of the behind the scenes scenarios that we obviously love to theorize about, is were they sitting in bed together and she's like, fuck it, I'm going to do it. And he's like, do it. And they just watched the chaos ensue. That, like, those are the moments that I am so curious about because if you put it on such a smaller scale, right? You're a normal, non-famous person and you've been dating someone for a little while and there's speculation, but nobody really knows. And you know, this is something that like your home friends are going to flip over or people you went to college with are going to flip over and you finally do it. You do the Insta story and you tag the person and it's a thing, right? And you start getting DMs and you start getting texts. Like imagine that, but to 300 million people. I simply can't. It's too much for my brain to process. And the thing that's interesting about these pictures also is she's been sitting on these for exactly a month. And it's not like they were some professionally shot photos. They were so casual in nature. I mean, one where he's laying on her that's kind of blurry and just a not great selfie. Like those were the pictures we've been waiting one month for. And by the way, I'm not complaining because the fact that it even happened at all, it doesn't matter what the pictures were. It was just interesting from her perspective how she chose those to do. The other thing I'd like to mention, which I know is minor in the scheme of things, but in the photo where he's laying on her and he has a joint in his hand, she's kind of leaning over him. And there's a whole conversation online going on about, is this a shotgun situation where he's basically blowing smoke into her mouth or is she just doing her classic kissy face? And I know it's almost like a ridiculous conversation, but the reason I am really curious is because we know Pete loves weed. He's very openly a marijuana enthusiast. And I'm curious, Kim, who's typically pretty straight-laced, is she dabbling a little bit? Like, is she down to get stoned occasionally? Or is she just into the whole vibe and she doesn't care if she gets a little bit of a secondhand situation? I want to know that so badly. I think that's what her goal is. Like, I think specifically she wants the secondhand smoke from him. Like, I think that is their entire vibe. Her being this on top of the world mogul, him being Pete Davidson. And it's like, you know what? It's just a little bit of a secondhand smoke situation. Don't you see that vibe so clearly? I see that vibe so clearly, but I also see, let's say he's taking a 10 milligram edible. I see him taking a bite out of the gummy and leaving what's about maybe two milligrams. And he's like, here, just try this. She's like, it'll be fine, right? And he's like, yeah, yeah, it'll be fine. You'll just feel a little bit relaxed. Like, I think it's like an eight to two situation if they're splitting a 10 milligram. I've never heard something more romantic in my entire life. I just got chills (laughs) over my entire body. I'm not even lying to you. That's my love language. Give me a Smokies and give me the bigger half and you have me. True. Okay. So there's so many things. Oh my God. Okay. You want to get into Kanye, Pete, Kim briefly? I I know we're not going to spend too much time on this, but I think we should at least get into some discussion. Oh, we absolutely have to. People have so many different reasons for wanting to learn a new language. Maybe you have an upcoming trip or just want to pick up a new hobby or a skill or just connect with a new culture. I know for me, when I was abroad in Barcelona in college, I'm not going to say that I was fluent in Spanish, but I definitely got to the point where I felt really confident conversing. And when I got home, my dad said to me, Emmy, if you don't use it, you're going to lose it. And he was so right. Like I entirely lost it. 
So Rosetta Stone has been really helpful for me. So if you are in that same boat or you want to learn a new language completely, want to brush up your skills, whatever it is, I want to tell you about Rosetta Stone because they're the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. And it really kind of immerses you in the language that you want to learn. So first of all, they're the trusted expert for 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered. It's fast language acquisition. So they immerse you in many ways. First of all, there's no English translation. So you really learn to speak, listen, and think in that language, which in my experience, I know I'm getting it when I start to think in the language. It's an intuitive process. So you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences, and it's designed for long-term retention. Also, in terms of speech recognition, they have a built-in true accent feature that gives you feedback on your pronunciation and it's convenient. So desktop and app options with audio companion and the ability to download lessons offline. And it's an amazing value. You're getting lifetime access to all 25 language courses Rosetta Stone has to offer for 50% off, which is a steal. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Comments by Celebs listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash comments. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash comments today. Let's talk about something near and dear to our hearts, our furry companions. Life is full of unexpected twists, just like the ones we love to uncover about our favorite celebs. But sometimes those twists involve our four-legged friends. Imagine navigating the unpredictable world of pet parenthood, where every day is a new adventure. Our partner, Spot Pet Insurance, wants to share a message to help make sure you're prepared for any unexpected curveballs, whether it's a sudden illness or an unplanned trip to the vet. Spot Pet Insurance can be your secret weapon against the unexpected. With Spot, you can get up to 90% cash back on eligible vet bills, helping you with those surprising expenses that seem to pop up when you least expect them. But wait, there's more. Spot Pet Insurance plans go beyond just offering coverage for accidents and illnesses. You can enhance your plan with their preventive care benefit, ensuring that routine wellness, vaccines, and more can be covered too. Head over to spotpet.com today to get a quote instantly. Trust us, it's the easiest thing you'll do to help secure the well-being of your dog or cat. Visit www.spotpet.com today. Paid ad from Spot Pet Insurance. Waiting periods, annual deductible, coinsurance, benefit limits, and exclusions may apply. For all terms, visit spotpetins.com slash sample hyphen policy. Insurance plans are underwritten by either Independence American Insurance Company or United States Fire Insurance Company and produced by Spot Pet Insurance Services, LLC. Listen, in terms of the Connie Instagram stuff, it's hard to do a proper breakdown because he posts a lot of videos, typically three or so minutes and a lot of more random screenshots and then he deletes everything. So unless you really had time to fully take it in and understand what's going on, it can get a little bit confusing. And to be honest with you, there's so many different things here. I mean, it really started with the fact that Kim posted a TikTok of her and North lip syncing to Emo Girl by MGK and Willow. And Kanye again expressed how opposed he is to North being on TikTok. And it then started into a much larger conversation about being displeased with where they go to school, publicly stating the name of their school multiple times, talking about them at Sunday service and why they weren't there and just a lot of logistics. So being kind of unhappy with some of their extracurriculars, not liking the scheduling. There was a lot happening. And I mean, you can tell me how you feel about this. We didn't even really discuss this before I'm about to say it. But the way that I feel is like there is so much being said. I mean, you see, he brings in D.L. Hewley. He brings in a bunch of more random people. And I feel like there is so much to talk about with the text between him and Pete, which we're about to discuss that like, even if I fully and fundamentally disagree with the way Kanye goes about this stuff, who am I to say what he should or shouldn't be upset about his daughter? Like, 
do I find the whole TikTok thing to be kind of a creative outlet that's fun for Kim and North? Yeah, but also he's her dad and I don't want to touch that. Like, I think let's talk a lot about the text because Pete's putting that out there, Connie's putting that out there. And that just feels like a lot more fair game than discussing whether or not we agree with the logistics about Saint and North not being at Sunday service. Like that's, that's above my pay grade. No, I completely agree. And it's not something that either of us should be getting into. The one thing that I will say about this entire situation that transpired with Kanye is that one, obviously, of course, what started it was the TikTok of North. But I think the thing that probably really actually set him off was the Instagram with Kim and Pete. So that's, I think, the starting point. The second thing that I'll say about this is that there's a lot about his beliefs in parenting and the kids and what should be done with them that there's no reason to touch. The thing that I will say is that the way he goes about it is in a way that tries to make Kim seem like a bad parent. And that's where I think there's a lot of room for criticism because you can talk about disagreements with your kids and the way that things are happening with them. As soon as you publicly blast their mother and call her parenting into question, that's when we have a problem. And the last thing that I'll say, which is really the most unfortunate part of all of this is like, I think of everything that he's posted this most recent thing is where you can really see his mental health struggles coming into play because you're listening to him blame not just Kim or not just the family, but all of these larger systems at play and Disney Plus wanting to, you know, exploit North on TikTok and they are against us. Like these are real mental health struggles that you're seeing him put out on a public platform. And it's something that he so clearly needs help with and you just watch it. And as much as you're angry at him for the way he goes about it, and as much as you disagree with the things he's saying, you're also listening to it being like, this guy really, really needs help. And I hope he can get it because he wants to be involved in his kid's life. He wants to, you know, have such an active role as a parent and he's the one that's standing in his own way. And it's just, it's upsetting to see. I really, I really feel that way. Just one line that I want to say in response to what you just said, and I know we've said this the last three episodes, I think. Again, a bipolar disorder diagnosis or other mental health disorder diagnoses do not make you an unfit parent. It is so much more the unwillingness to get the help that you so deeply need and deserve. And that's the issue. But hold on. The the final point that I just have to make before we talk about the text is like, if you think about the most recent season of Keeping Up, and there wasn't that much discussion about this because Kim really did keep it under wraps, but I will never forget that one scene when they're in the Malibu rental and she breaks down to Kylie and Courtney and maybe Kendall's there. I can't remember who else is in the room. And she says, you know, I just can't do this anymore. He deserves somebody who can just up and leave with him to go to Wyoming for six months like he wants or go to Chicago for six months or live here for a year or there for a year. Like I can't uproot my entire life like that and I can't uproot my children's lives like that, but he deserves someone who can just do that with him. And to me, it's like here he is criticizing Kim for what she's put in place in order to make her kids have a a schedule and, and be regimented, right? And it's like, Somebody had to do that while you were the one that wanted to go to Wyoming for six months, while you wanted to go and live this completely other lifestyle, which is fine. If you have the ability to do that and that's helpful for your creative process and it's not negatively hurting anyone, go for it. You bought this beautiful ranch. If you want to live there, live there. But to think that your kids at very formative times of their lives can just up and leave in the way that you so want them to, it's not only unrealistic, but then to come down so publicly and so harshly on the mother of their children for just wanting to instill some sense of normalcy and some sense of routine when you weren't even slightly concerned with that, that's the issue. And that is what's so 
deeply upsetting. And I don't really want to talk about it too much because I, I feel kind of weird. Like it's their own personal struggles. And there's a part of me that feels like that's not the area of this we need to touch. But you do get enraged. You see that Kanye's frustrations are real and I get that he is upset. But to villainize Kim in the way that you have for being the mother that she is, is so fucked up. And it's like, okay, make these sly comments about her having nannies. What the fuck would you have done when you were in Wyoming and she's working? Who else would have taken care of the kids? Like he acts as though the nannies are the enemy and that he's been there every step of the way. It's so fucked up. No, it's it's incredibly fucked up. And and you said it all. There's There's, I mean- there's a million things I could say to expand upon it, and we could have this conversation and never stop talking about it, but it's not the most productive thing to do, and you really just said it all there. So let's go to the text. This was something, personally, never in my life did I think that we would get a text interaction between Kanye and Pete specifically posted on Pete's behalf. Like Maybe I thought that if there was an interaction, Kanye would post it as he has before. He's posted that one screenshot from Pete, but to get this long form conversation and to get it from Pete's side, like the text being blue (laughs) was wild. Well, let's start off with the fact that for the first 10 minutes of just reading it, we were like, okay, well, this is obviously fake. And then we realized the account that it was posted from is one of Pete's closest friends who was actually the person who posted on behalf of Pete when Bob Saget passed away. And so you have this moment where you go from, immediately, okay, this is actually hilarious and so fake, but I'm happy we got this moment of levity in in the middle of all of this to, holy shit, this is real. In the matter of one second, you got there. You and I, I will never forget, we were sitting across from each other in the Starbucks inside of a Target. And somebody sent it to us and we were like, oh, this is hilarious. Like, there's no way. And then we click on the account and we realize it's from at Dave Sirius, S-I-R-U-S. His real name is Dave Pollock. He's a comedian and he's been a writer on SNL since 2015. And he was a writer and co-producer for The King of Staten Island. So already you see, okay, this guy is very close friends with Pete. He's not just trying to screw him like this. You then scroll one post farther. And like Julie said, he is the account that Pete went to to post his statement when Bob Saget passed away. So for anybody who didn't see this or didn't see it before it was deleted, I think that we need to do an exact reading of the text Dave posted on Pete's behalf between Pete and Kanye. Yes? Yes. Okay. Yo, it's Skeet. Can you please take a second and calm down? It's 8 a.m. and it don't gotta be like this. Kim is literally the best mother I've ever met. What she does for those kids is amazing and you are so fucking lucky that she's your kid's mom. I've decided that I'm not gonna let you treat us this way anymore and I'm done being quiet. Grow the fuck up. Oh, you using profanity? Where are you right now? In bed with your wife. Insert a photo of a shirtless Pete Davidson doing tongue out peace sign. And upon further zooming in, you see that there is what appears to be a Kim tattoo. Okay, we'll discuss that in a second. Go to Kanye. I'm losing it. Happy to see you're out of the hospital and rehab. Same here. It's wonders what those places do when you go get help. You should try it. I'm in LA for the day if you want to stop being a little internet bitch boy and talk. You don't scare me, bro. Your actions are so pussy and embarrassing. It's so sad to watch you ruin your legacy on the daily. You're more than welcome to come to Sunday service. Why don't we meet after Sunday service in Saints game? I'll be at the Beverly Hills Hotel. We can have food and talk it out in my room, privately, one-on-one, man-to-man. What you're doing to your family is dangerous and going to scar them for life. Please handle these matters privately, bro. I beg you. You want to see me? Come to Sunday service. 
This isn't public, dude. I'm not here for pictures and press, which is obviously all you care about. My offer stands. I'd wish you man up for once in your life. Let me help you, man. I struggle with mental stuff too. It's not an easy journey. You don't have to feel this way anymore. There's no shame in having a little help. You'll be so happy and at peace. You have no idea how nice I've been to you despite your actions towards me. I've stopped SNL from talking about you or making fun of you, which they've wanted to do for months. I've stopped stand-up comedians from doing bits about you because I don't want the father of my girl's kids to look bad out there. Oh my God, my girl's kids. I have your back even though you treat me like shit because I want everything to be smooth. But if you continue to press me like you have for the past six months, I'm going to stop being nice. Holy shit. Me and you doing a dramatic reading of the text between Pete Davidson and Kanye West sent by Pete from his hotel room at the Beverly Hills Hotel, most likely with Kim in bed next to him, is a motherfucking fever dream. I, I can't even talk because I'm, I mean, I know I've read these texts so many times. I think I'm just still processing the fact that this interaction even took place. This is real. I mean, I I, I don't know. I, I did think that there was going to get to a point where Pete was going to say something. I did not think that it would go down exactly like this. I will say I fully believe him when he says, you know, he stopped SNL and he's talked to other comedians about not doing it. The reason I believe him when he says that, one, is because I don't think that he would lie, but also because you know, it's not entirely selfless. Like, of course, there's a personal motive in just not wanting to rock the boat. It's His life turns to a brief hell when Kanye starts up, and I very much could see him not wanting to add additional anxiety or stress to his life or to Kim's life, or really to Kim's life that then becomes his life. So I believe him when he said that he's been in the camp of trying to get people to stop doing these bits because he knows the reaction that would elicit from Kanye. Right, and the proof is in the pudding in the sense of those skits haven't been taking place, so clearly there has been something done to stop it. I mean, these were absolutely insane. I There's two parts of these texts which need to be analyzed, which is, one, Pete's offer to help Kanye, which I think is very sincere. I mean, Pete knows these struggles mental health-wise very well. And something about Pete that we've observed over the years is that he is on top of his game. When he notices that something doesn't feel right or that he needs help, he is the first one to seek that help out himself. And that is not an easy thing to do. And he deserves a lot of credit for that. And people who can't do that deserve a lot of sympathy for that as well, because it's not easy. And so that's number one. And I think that Pete being the person to say, I struggle with this too, let me help you. I don't think Kanye would ever take him up on it, but I do think that Pete's weirdly qualified to be the person to try and help. The second side of this, which is the craziest part of it, is almost the very Pete way in which he still approached this by sending a picture of himself and saying, in bed with your wife and calling Kanye a little internet bitch boy. I mean, the contrast that's going on there, because you're right, there is an alternate reality that exists where in this very sweet world, Kanye and Pete have this total bromance and Kanye really comes to Pete and Pete walks him through the path that he has been on numerous times and getting the help that he needs and deserves. And like, it's this beautiful end story. It's not going to happen, but it's a beautiful thing to think about. And then the one that's happening in front of our faces, which is the tongue out peace sign in bed with your wife. I can't. I mean, wait, wait, no. Can I say one other thing? Yes, please. The, the other thing that we didn't even talk about, because like there, there was so much happening in those videos, but after this conversation and after we get confirmation it's real, like we know it's real because Dave posted it. We then know it's real because Kanye is talking about it. Kanye then says, you know, for him to say in bed with your wife, like I thought the divorce is done. I thought that she's legally single. I thought she's not my wife. I wanted to be like this you, like you have been referring to her as your wife incessantly for the last, I don't even know. I mean, 
when Kanye posted a few weeks ago about buying that coat for Kim, the very coat she's wearing in the Valentine's Day Instagram, he said in that same caption, like, I have faith that God will bring us back together. You know what I mean? So it's like very interesting the way that he weaponized that term when it's no longer beneficial to him. Meanwhile, he has solely referred to Kim as his wife and never wants his ex-wife anytime before this whole week. I know it's a minor point. I just want to make sure I got it out, but go back to what you were going to say. I'm sorry to interrupt you. No, that was an important point to make. And it's funny because Kanye in his videos repeatedly use the term gaslighting in terms of what he feels like the world is doing to him and what Kim is doing to him. I mean, there's no greater example of gaslighting than saying, I thought she wasn't my wife anymore. So yeah, you're 100% right in that. The thing with these texts and specifically that selfie that Pete sent is like, I can't necessarily say that it was the mature thing to do. But I do understand the fact that this has been months and months and months of Pete not saying a word and not reacting and not standing up for himself. Then if he wants to send a selfie of him saying in bed with your wife, I'm just going to let him do that. I mean, Julie, this is what, two weeks after Kanye produces an entire music video where he has a cartoon animation of Pete Davidson who he buries alive. And at the end saying everyone lives happily ever after except for Skeet. Like, yeah, sorry. I think it's warranted after the, not, not, again, you're right. It wasn't the mature thing to do. And I'm sure that there's maybe a part of him that regrets it because now his record isn't a hundred percent clean. Like he was handling this so above the fact, you know, like such a kind of stand up guy. And then he almost went to Kanye's level, but you know what? He's only fucking human. And literally, I mean, what was it? Two weeks ago when Kanye releases that easy music video where he multiple times has publicly threatened Pete's safety, saying that he has people coming to get him. Whether or not that's true, it doesn't matter. Like all of that stuff was happening to Kanye's 15 million Instagram followers. One bed selfie, I don't know. I'm going to call it even. Oh my God. I mean, it's not even close to even. That's the thing. I Again, I don't blame him for doing it. I don't fault him in the slightest. It wasn't necessarily taking the high road, but I don't think somebody can be expected to take the high road a hundred out of a hundred times. I, I think it was perfectly warranted. And I think Pete had the right to do that. And I, I mean, and also, by the way, slightly hilarious. I'll say it. And also, by the way, Connie asked a question. Where are you right now? What's he supposed to do? Lie? Yeah. He was in bed with his wife. Yeah, he was in bed with Kim Kardashian. Notice that I did not say Kim Kardashian West at the Beverly Hills Hotel. By the way, if I was in bed with Kim at the Beverly Hills Hotel, I would tell everybody and their mother. So he's just doing the normal thing, really. True. Yeah. Oh my God, imagine. And then they go downstairs and they have those truffle fries and the avocado toast. No, I can't. (laughs) No, now we're getting into a whole other type of horny. (laughs) Yeah, so that happened. And like I said, not that we had any distrust as to whether or not they were real after realizing who Dave was. But Kanye then directly referenced these in his video. So 100% that's a real interaction that occurred. And I I cannot believe it. I mean, I really can't believe it. Also, the thing I appreciated most about this interaction was the way in which Pete complimented Kim as a mother. And to say to Kanye, you are so fucking lucky that she's the mother of your children. Like, yeah, that's exactly how you should be looking at your girlfriend. And also the fact that we live in a world where Pete Davidson is texting Kanye, let's talk after Saints soccer game. I never thought I'd see the day. Never thought I would see the day. Oh my God, as we're recording this, you've asked, we listen, Skim Swim launches this Friday, March 18th at 9 a.m. And it's exactly the photo shoot everybody thought when she's in the water in those boy shorts. No, that fucking blue, the one in slide six. I, I, yeah, I, I need that immediately. 
holy shit, okay. We can discuss this after. Wow. What a day. As if as if we didn't need another thing. Of course, Skims is just going to drop swimwear. By the way, Kylie Swim is literally not even shaking, shivering. I mean, Kylie Swim has been obliterated from the conversation. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Shall we touch on variety? I guess so, yes. The wait is over. That's right. Season five of The Kardashians is here. Just when you thought life couldn't get any faster, they're punching it into overdrive. Chris, Courtney, Kim, Chloe, Kendall, and Kylie are back and continue to defy expectations in all their endeavors. So get ready to go behind the glitz and glamour of the most iconic family on television. The all-new season of The Kardashians premieres May 23rd, streaming on Hulu. Doing your hair has the potential to be such a time-consuming process if you're not using products that really work for you, and honestly really work with you. And for me, I'd say generally speaking, my hair is pretty easy to manage, but it does get frizzy. I have a lot of split ends, so I'm always looking for things to manage the frizz. And recently I've been into a new product from Way. It's their anti-frizz cream. So it's a really lightweight cream. It provides immediate frizz control that lasts up to 72 hours and also heat protection up to 450 degrees. So you're kind of killing two birds with one stone. Then the thing I really like about it is that it helps reduce and repair split ends while quenching dry hair with intense hydration. So you can feel like it just feels good on your hair. For me, I get out of the shower. I always spray in the leave-in conditioner. I've told you guys about that before, but I love it. A little anti-frizz cream and you're good to go. I also, I mean, I love a lot of things from Way, but I like their detox shampoo. I don't use that every week, maybe once a week, maybe once every other week, but I feel like it gives my hair a really, really good clean. Frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com and enter promo code CELEBS for 15% off any product. That's T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com, promo code CELEBS. Let's just immediately get into what has gone the most viral and what has given them the most backlash, which is the quote Kim gave when asked about women in business. And she says, I have the best advice for women in business. Get your fucking ass up and work. It seems like nobody wants to work these days. And she goes on a little bit later to talk about the importance of not having a toxic work environment and being surrounded by people that motivate you. And I mean, she was blasted for this in a way that I don't think she has been criticized for comments recently because it seemed to be like a unanimous disagreement. And what I think was interesting about this, I first want to start out by saying like, if you were somebody that was upset, offended, found this to be tone deaf, like you are 100,000% entitled to that feeling and nobody should change your mind if you feel that that set off something in you for whatever reason. You don't need to explain yourself. You were upset by it and you have every right to be upset by it. Personally, for me, when I initially watched it before I saw any of the criticism, I, I wasn't necessarily thrown off by that comment because I think if you really simplify what she's saying, like it's important to work hard. She didn't necessarily need to add the, it feels like nobody wants to work anymore. You know, there were a lot of unnecessary additions, but if you, if you simplify what she was saying, I didn't find it to be personally offensive. However, what I was taken by was her tone. I noticed like I never feel that Kim is abrasive. That's never a word I would use to describe her. And I found her in this entire six-minute clip. You have to really watch the entire thing. Even when I agreed with what she was saying, I just found her to be uncharacteristically abrasive. And I was thinking like, okay, I, I like checked myself when I thought that like, is this almost... This is going to sound weird to say, but I'm just going through my thought process. I asked myself, like, is this almost sexist of me to think or like anti-feminist that here's a woman just getting her point across harshly and I'm saying that she's being abrasive or like if a man said that. And I don't think that that's the case because we've watched Kim for years and years and years. And in general, she has a way in which she speaks and a way in which she delivers information. And 
everything she was saying in this entire six minutes, specifically that point, just came across as very harsh and almost less enjoyable to listen to than I would say the way she typically interacts. Did I make that point okay or do I need to remake it and make myself sound a little clear? I don't, it made sense in my head. I don't know if it made sense out loud. No, it made perfect sense. I agree that a huge, I mean, at least for me, I can't speak on everyone else's behalf. For me, a huge part of what I was thrown off by was her delivery. And I understand a lot of the criticism that she's gotten for this, especially when people talk about her checking her privilege and the way that she started her business and how easy it is to work really hard when you have so much help and you have so much assistance and childcare and a myriad of things that go into that. I think that had she delivered it a little differently, the criticism would have been a little different, but I think the points that people made still stand. With that being said, going off of the point that you were making before about like, is this slightly misogynistic for me to take her delivery as something as being abrasive? I don't know if that necessarily was because I do think we're used to a certain tone in which Kim delivers things and that really threw us off. But I will say, and this is something that people DM'd us a lot, and I'm not saying this as a point of, you know, defending her, but a lot of people in our DMs and a lot of people that I saw on Twitter were saying, I agree with what everybody's saying. At the same time, how many men have told the world in whatever projects they're doing, you know, you have to work, 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 work so hard, work till you... And there's never really been backlash for that. So people did find it interesting that Kim saying that the key to success is work is all of a sudden now a negative thing. I think where she went wrong was saying that nobody works anymore because to me, objectively, that's incorrect. And I think that she was talking, at least how I perceived it, to a very specific group of people that are kind of trying to break into the business in the way that she did, not necessarily to like workers outside of entertainment kind of. But I did think that objectively, it was just a wrong comment to make to say that people don't work anymore. But I think that it is a far more layered discussion about what was said than just Kim said something from a place of privilege and she should be canceled for it. See, I kind of feel the same way that in my mind, again, I'm just speaking for myself, I can't speak for anyone else, that it was almost split because I agree with working hard. Yeah. I mean, in theory, we all, at least in my own experience, I find that when I do work harder, I see better results. I also am very sensitive to like the burnout that a lot of people feel. But the second part was just so unnecessary. Like, who are you to say it seems like nobody wants to work these days? I agree with you. I personally, me as myself, can give her the benefit of the doubt. I know that she was most likely talking to newcomers in the entertainment industry, right? That in the same kind of influencer genre. That's what I perceive that as. But it was too large of a comment with a lack of specification that I I can't say I... I don't understand the backlash. Like I did personally wasn't offended by it, but I understand that if you're, you know, um, just as a random example, you're a working mother who works night shifts in the hospital and, you know, is taking your kid to daycare in the day and you then have to get to your other job. I'm Kim Kardashian is telling me that. It's like, who the fuck are you to tell me that nobody wants to work these days? Again, I don't believe that that's who she was speaking to, but because of the lack of specification, I understand the response being negative. The thing is for me, when it comes to like the acknowledgement of the privilege conversation, because of course that's a real thing, not just the Kardashians, but with anyone, 
I think this is a different conversation if she was asked directly, how did you get so successful? That's a moment where, yeah, you absolutely have to acknowledge your privilege. I think Kim works really hard, but I also know what she was born into. She naturally had a lot more connections and a lot more wealth than 98% of people going into this have. But that wasn't the question that was asked. She was just giving more general advice. I think she went wrong in the delivery and the second part, or if she was going to say the second part to really specify it. I noticed myself also doing this thing where I was seeing two different sides of the criticism, which was one, the privilege side, which I do agree with. And I do agree with what you just said in terms of it's not exactly the question that she was asked. So I do understand that. The thing that I found myself getting defensive of, which I don't even like doing because I feel weird almost being in a position where I'm like, I want to defend her, is when people get on and say like, well, what is Kim going to lecture me about work ethic? That's where you're wrong. I think Kim absolutely has earned herself the right maybe not to lecture, but to talk about her work ethic and the amount of work she does and the amount of every single thing she has that she puts into her projects and her kids and being a good mother and being a businesswoman. I think that she is entirely entitled in every sense of the word to be able to discuss that. The part where you lose me again, which is what we just said, is when you don't acknowledge your privilege because you can't accomplish any of those things without the help that she has around her. And that's the most important thing that I think she had to acknowledge. Right. She does work really fucking hard. She also has is fortunate enough to have a wonderful team around her that is, you know, can help her out with her children. Not saying, of course, she takes great care of them, but you know what I mean? I mean, it takes a village, literally. And a lot of people don't have that. So yeah, I, I, I think it depends on exactly the question that was asked. I think her delivery sucked. I think she could have done without the second part. Um, but I, it was interesting hearing the criticism. This wasn't like, just to be clear, this wasn't a situation where I was like, oh God, of course everyone's coming for everything the Kardashians say. That was not how I felt. I understood where people were coming from. I personally wasn't offended, but I definitely understood where, why people were upset. And it's just such a layered discussion. I mean, that that in and of itself could be a whole hour. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I don't know. This was a wild week, like absolutely wild week. Thank God we were not off this week. If we were off this week and like, I would have just said, fuck it. I don't care if there's no ads. We have to release an episode. A million percent. We obviously would have done that. Yeah. Wow, guys. Okay. Let's all take a deep breath and we'll be back later this week for Bravo. And I don't know if we'll do a Kardashian bonus show, if we'll do a midweek recap. We'll see what happens. It's been kind of slow in non-Kardashian world, but I I do just want to say this was a week where, or a weekend, I should say, where we both really felt like the enthusiasm from our listeners in our DMs. Like when something would happen, they'd be like, holy fuck, cannot wait for the podcast. And it was just such a sense of camaraderie, like we're all in this together. And I just appreciated that. I know that you did also. And I think we both just feel like really, really grateful and fortunate to (laughs) have found a community of people that care about this stuff. So thanks for caring. People DMing us as soon as they see something or want to discuss something and saying like, you're the only people I want to discuss this with, or I can't wait to hear you talk about it is quite literally one of the greatest feelings in the entire world. I don't even think I could properly explain it, but I never feel more validated and more seen and more appreciated than when people do that. And I just, I still can't believe that it happens. I can't believe it. Like, I can't believe that somebody sees the trailer drop and they're like, oh my God, Emma and Julie. Like, that's so flattering. I know it sounds crazy, but it is so flattering. Like, how did we get to the, it's just wild. It's so wild. And we just feel so lucky. Okay. Love you guys. We'll be back later this week. Thank you for listening. Thank you for letting us do this. And holy shit, let's brace ourselves for what else is about to come out. So I'm a big fan of transparency across all aspects of life. Like 
Generally speaking, there's pretty much nothing I wouldn't rather be told straight up. But specifically when I'm buying something or paying for a service, I just want to know what I'm getting myself into. And oftentimes there can be so much nonsense or so much yada yada. For example, sneaky terms hidden in the fine print of contracts or bills that randomly go up without properly alerting you or budget airlines with cheap fares, but then exorbitant fees to make up for it elsewhere. And we just should not need to be dealing with this type of yada yada in our lives. And yes, you could read every single word of every single contract, and that's one way of avoiding it. Or you can go with a trusted brand like Metro by T-Mobile that helps you to get ahead and not pull you back. That's right. You don't take yada yada from life, so don't take yada yada from your wireless provider. Metro by T-Mobile has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and not a yada yada, which honestly gives so much peace of mind. Like you shouldn't have to compromise for an okay option with sacrifices when you really deserve that full transparency. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide.